Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. Welcome to our guests. Those who are listening online, welcome to you. You can't see me, but I'm having a really good hair day today. So, as Pastor Ellen said, uh, my name is Wayne. For those of you who don't know me, I retired 129 days ago, but I'm not counting. And uh, for those of you who have forgotten me, I'm still uh, Wayne. Uh, some of you have trouble coming up to me, should I call you Wayne, Pastor Wayne, or just Wayne, or whatever, and but most people call me Pastor Wayne, still that's fine with me. I had a guy come up to me a while back, and he said, hi, Just Wayne. So that was cool. Also, I uh, want to wish you a happy new year. This is our first service back in, in the new year. Hope you had a great holiday season. Our family exchanged gifts. I got uh, a, a more modernized iPod that I can use for, for my exercising. And uh, I, it was a fun time of, of gift giving. It was nice to get that gift. And I was reading a story the other day about three sons who had left home and did very well. And one day they were, and they were very competitive as three sons. I was raised with three sons, very competitive. And they were discussing that the gifts that they were going to give to their elderly mother. And the first said, I said, I built a big house for mother. And the second one said, I got her a Mercedes with a driver. And the third one said, I got you both beat. You know how mom enjoys the Bible and you know she can't see very well. I sent her a brown parrot that can recite the entire Bible. It took 20 months in a monastery, 12 years to teach him. I had to pledge to contribute $100,000 a year for 10 years for them to train him. But it was worth it. Mom just has to name the chapter and verse and the parrot will recite it. Soon afterwards, their mother sent out her letters of thanks to her sons. The first son, she wrote, Milton, the house you built is so huge. I live in one room, but I have to clean the whole house. The second son said, Marty, I'm too old to travel. I stay home all the time, so I never use the Mercedes and the driver is rude. To the third son, she wrote, Dear Malvin, you're, you're the only son to have good sense to know what your mother likes. The chicken was delicious. <laughs> I hope your gift was better than that. So sermon notes are found in two places in your program and you version. Click on more events and circle drive and the notes should come up. Today we're starting, and this is kind of an introduction today, we're starting a four-week series called Heart Shift. So over the years as I've counseled people, whether it be in relationships whether it be in physical um, health or mental health or spiritual health, we, I've learned over the years that the health of the individual is the responsibility of the individual. Done in community, but the responsibility of the individual. This is especially true in the health of relationships. Many people have unhealthy relationships because they themselves are unhealthy or the two people or three people or more people are involved in the relationship were unhealthy. I came to the conclusion many years into my 37 years of ministry that the health of any relationship is directly connected to the health of the individuals in the relationship. So early on when I would counsel couples, or any people, but especially couples, I would give them all these great tools that I thought were so great, and they were supposed to practice them and come back and tell me how well they're doing. And I was fully anticipating they're going to come back and say, we're doing so much better, those tools work so well. And they'd come back saying, 
we hate each other even more. They used the tools against me. They kept bringing up that Pastor Wayne wouldn't like that very much. And I went, what is wrong? I'm giving these, these great tools. And then I started to think about it. I am giving five-year-olds hammers and telling them to build houses, and they're hitting each other on the head with them. So I came to the conclusion that these were unhealthy people, and they needed to first deal with their unhealthiness because the quality of the relationship is the result of the quality of the, rela of the individuals in the relationship. So Heart Shift is a series we're going to do over the next four weeks about creating healthy relationships through cre being a healthy person. But also not just relationships, but becoming a healthy person so that you can grow in every area of your life. And this applies no matter what age you are or where you are in your spiritual journey. So Heart Shift is built on this truth. And it's a truth I'm sure you've heard about before, but it's really difficult to practice. The smallest acts produce the largest changes. The smallest acts produce the largest changes. Most of us equate change with a 180 degree change. The problem is, when we think of change in that way, we often don't know where to begin, we feel overwhelmed, and then when we fail, we give up. And that's what's the problem with trying to make 180 degree changes. It happens in the New Year's all the time, right? People say, I am going to lose by the end of the month 50 pounds. I am going to do this by the end of the month. And they have set up this great goal for themselves. They may not know how to start it. Even if they do, they get overwhelmed by that. They start, and then they fail. And when they fail, they don't say, well, I've got to start again. Maybe I should do it more slowly. Maybe I should have uh, a, more, a goal that's a little bit easier to reach. I should go a little bit more uh, in terms of progress or process. Instead of doing that, they just say, I give up. There's, there's no way in the world I can do this. That's because they're not making two-degree changes. They're trying to make 180-degree changes. It's just like driving a car. When do you ever go like this with a car, right? When do you ever do this with a car? It's when you're in trouble. It's when you're so far off course that you've got to correct it by making a, a, a dramatic turn. Most of us, hopefully, I, I've driven in Saskatoon a long time, so this is not always the case. Most of us drive like this, right? We drive like this. We're constantly making small changes as we go down the road. And that's what life is like. We're constantly or should constantly be making small changes. So I'm going to give you four principles today, four principles that will kind of kick off this series that will help you to remember the truth that the key to making lasting changes in our lives lies in making a series of two-degree changes. So here are the four principles of heart shift. The first one is pride and anger can prevent change. Pride and anger can prevent change. Pride prevents us from being teachable. Pride prevents us from humbling ourselves. Pride prevents us from learning from our mistakes. And therefore, pride prevents us from not being able to change. Anger leads to bitterness. Anger prevents us from forgiveness. And therefore, because of anger, if we hold on to that anger and it becomes bitterness, it prevents us from experiencing change. There's a really good example of this in the Bible, in the first part of the Bible called the Old Testament, in a book called Second Kings. And it's about a man named Naaman. Naaman. And he's the commander-in-chief of the Syrian army. He's the hero of Syria. 
Naaman is a leper. And a leper was somebody who normally would have been restricted from all involvement in society. But in his case, because he was a hero, because he was the leader of the army, he was accepted, but he was still a leper. Now, Naaman's wife and Naaman had a girl, a, we call her slave girl, a Hebrew slave girl, in their home. And she said to Naaman's wife one day, you know what, the master doesn't need to experience leprosy. The master can go to Israel, the master can talk to uh, a prophet named Elijah, and Elijah will heal Naaman. So the king heard about this, and the king said to Naaman, go and see that guy. I don't know who he is, but go and see that guy and see if he can bring healing to your leprosy. So Naaman arrives at Elisha's home, and it's like a little hut. He he's, he's comes up with all his horses, all his chariots. He's brought a whole bunch of gold. He's brought a whole bunch of silver. And he comes up to this little hut and sends somebody to knock on the door, fully expecting Elijah would come out and do something dramatic. Elijah doesn't, Elisha doesn't even come outside the door. Elisha sends his servant to go and tell Naaman, go to the Jordan River and dip yourself seven times, and when you come out, when you come out, you'll be fully healed. And Naaman said, fully expecting a totally different experience, Naaman said, why would I do that? The Jordan River is muddy. This guy won't even out, come out and talk to me. Why am I going to do that? I'm going to have nothing to do with this. I'm going back home. His officer said, listen, listen, we want you to be healed. Just try it. Just try it. Please just go and try it. So that's what he did. He went and he tried it. He went into the Jordan River. He dipped himself seven times. He came out and he was totally and completely healed of his leprosy. Now just think of that. Think of that. If he allowed his pride and his anger to prevent him from doing what Elisha said, he would not have been healed. He would have not have been changed. And eventually he went back and he thanked Elisha for what he had done. Pride and anger almost prevented Naaman from being healed. And pride and anger can pre prevent us from experiencing change and growth. The second principle of hardship is this. Two degree changes can ruin or renew. Two degree changes can ruin or renew. Do you know that if you talk to a NASA scientist back in the day when they first sent the people, uh, Armstrong and the others, to the moon, and you ask them this question, what would it take to miss the moon? They would tell you it would only take two degrees to be off by 11,000 miles. That's all it would take, two degrees to miss the moon by 11,000 miles. So small, unhealthy changes or habits or activities can lead to ruin. Small changes in our life, unhealthy ones, small activities, small unhealthy habits can lead to ruin. And small healthy changes, habits and activities can lead to renewal. The third principle is this. Change is a slow work. Change is a slow work. This is the point that most people dislike including myself. Change is a process. Change is a journey and it requires patience. And face it, we human beings are impatient people. We human beings are impatient people. We dislike the fact when somebody comes up to us and says, 
hey, if you want to have this in terms of your finances, or you want to have this in terms of your health, or you want to have this in terms of your relationship with God or others, these are the things you knew, and you need to do them daily, and it's a slow, progressive change. In fact, 21st century Canadians probably hate change or slow, progressive change uh, or process more than any other generation before us. We are very impatient with slow progress. We're impatient with silence. We're impatient with being still. We are impatient with listening. We are impatient with the day-to-day growth it takes to become a different kind of person. Those two-degree changes that bring about change in our life. I remember a number of years ago, and for those of you who don't know what a fax machine is, it's kind of like a big machine. It's like a big text machine, but it sends paper instead of like words. It's words on paper. I can't Google it if you don't know what fax is, okay? So this comedian back in the day of fax said something that I thought was so profound, because comedians often do. He was talking about how impatient we are with everything. And he said, he said, I, he said, I was working in an office, and I was standing at the fax machine, and I was going, come on, come on. I was waiting for this paper. I was, come on, come on. And then I started to think about it. I said, hundreds of years ago, somebody would give a letter to somebody else. They would go on a horse. They would ride the horse to a boat. The boat would go across the ocean. Another person on a horse would take that letter to your house, and six months later, you had that letter. I said, what happened to us? What happened to us that we are standing by this machine? It can be the same with text, right? You send a text and you go, how come you haven't answered me yet? It's been like a minute. Why haven't you answered me yet? And that's how we've become. And we are impatient with slow change. This is uh, especially true for me when I see people who need to go through healing. I won't spend a lot of time on this, but we're going to have a whole separate thing on pain and how pain is involved in heart shift. But... Uh, We've got two great groups called Divorce Care and The Journey. I've seen people who need the divorce care or who need the journey or who need a 12-step group, and I say to them, this is something you really need. They they do not want to work through the process. It's too slow. They want something quick. They want a magic wand. They don't want to work through a process. Just let you know that as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, God partners with us in this slow process process. He provides us with the strength and the wisdom that we need to persevere. Just a couple of quick warnings. If you plan to partner with God in two degree changes, God takes you and me as seriously as we take him. God takes you and me as seriously as we take him. That doesn't mean he doesn't love us, but he's not going to give us a lot of time and energy if we're not going to give him a lot of time and energy. So if you want to give yourself over to a process of change and transformation and you want God to be involved in that, you need to take that seriously. And the second thing you need to remember that the motive for change is important. We're not earning God's approval. We're not trying to get something from God. We're not saying, hey God, if I do these good things, will your agenda line up with my agenda? Right? We need to be careful of that motivation. Next, finally, change requires Community. Change requires community. Community is a place of support and accountability. It's designed to help us grow. Jesus gave us his body, his people, so that we could grow together with support and accountability. Now let me give you this warning. When I say community, 
I don't mean Sunday morning from 10.30 to 11.45. This is community, and this is great. And it's great to worship God. We had a great worship time together. Thank you, worship team. We had a great worship time together. This is good. This is, this is great. But this is not, it's important to gather, but this is not where real growth and connection and healing takes place. Personal growth does not primarily take place during this time. That's why we have things like the Bible Project. That's why we have Vantage Point. That's why we have one-to-one mentoring. That's where real growth takes place. Real growth takes place in small group settings and one-to-one, and your personal relationship with God. That's where real growth takes place. Emotional and relational healing does not primarily take place at this time. That's why we offer the divorce care and the journey. And meaningful connection with other people does not primarily take place at this time. That's why we have circle groups. That's why we have men's breakfast. That's why we have mom's circle. That's why we have young adults in junior high and senior high. So you can have a smaller group setting to make meaningful connections, to experience healing, to find connection with God and growth with others. So the heart shift principles are these. Change can be prevented by pride and anger. Change can bring either renewal or ruin. Change is a slow work, and change requires community. Now, I'm going to ask Kara Hoff to come up here this time. Uh, I've asked Kara to come because I think, especially the last three principles, she really has, over the years I've gotten to know her, she's lived out these principles. Come a little closer into the light here. Um, I showered. And uh, if you could um, get a sense of what she's been involved in, I won't go into all of it, but in particular, my connection with her has been through Vantage Point. And Vantage Point is an in-depth group that meets every week for uh, 21 weeks. It's very in-depth. There's homework involved. And we're learning about who is God, who am I, and what is God up to in my life. And we're now into our third year of Vantage Point, and Kara has been involved in all three years, and I've got, gotten to really appreciate her involvement in this. So, Kara, start us off by describing a little bit about your daily life and your family's daily life. Sure. Um, I'm married, uh, my husband, Chad, and uh, we've got two boys. They're 10 and 13. We have both full-time, fairly uh, uh, involved jobs, and so between jobs, kids, volunteer work that we do in the community. It's, uh, it's a busy life. Um, and that's uh, something that has been a blessing for us to have uh, here in Circle. So. And, and, I'm, and that's one of the reasons I asked you, because I know your life is really busy, and I know that you really take serious your personal growth. So with that busyness in mind, why did you say, I'm going to give time and energy to Vantage Point? Vantage Point requires a lot of work and energy. Why did you decide that's something you're going to do? I really realized how much work it was going to be uh, until I got into it. I told him it was easy. So. <laughs> and, I, and I think, you know, you find things that you're looking for in life and not really realizing what they actually are until you get into them. Um, I was looking, I had taken on a bit of a leadership role in my job and one of the um, advertising features of Vantage Point was, was spiritual leadership. And uh, little did I know until I was about a few weeks into it that that's actually something you don't even start working on until the end of the last year, mm-hmm. which is three years la- later. So um, 
but by that time I was already hooked in, in what Vantage Point was doing in my life. So that's what I was interested in uh, and that's why I joined, but what it's given me has been so much more. What are the, tell, me, tell us about that. What benefits have you gained from Vantage Point? Um, definitely the benefits of spiritual discipline and spending that time um, both by yourself and in community working through uh, the, the, the book work that you do and the talks that you have and the books that you read. It's all provided me with a, a sense of, of putting that time together in your week, in your day, to spend with God and to spend with others in, in working on your own spiritual growth and figuring out where God is in your life and what he's up to and how you can help others and how others have helped you. And when you do that, you see the two-degree changes, right? You, you do. Those. You become more of a noticer. You right. spend, uh, you, you, your eyes are a little bit more open as to what God is up to in your life and and you just like a, you know, you look for things that you're looking for. You, you see the things that you're looking for, and when you decide that that's what you're going to look for in your life is what God is up to in it, um, you notice things that you wouldn't have otherwise noticed. Absolutely. So one other thing, and I ask permission for you to tell this a bit. You a while back you went through a difficult time. Um, tell us about that time and how community played a role in getting through that time. You know, God gives you what you need. And I needed Vantage Point and the community that it involved, or that, it, that it's been in my life, as well as the circle groups, um, as well as the other sort of relationships that we've met through our, our time in circle. And I got those about six months before I really needed them. Our life sort of, um, we, we had a difficult time early in 2018. Um, and without those, I don't know what our life would have looked like at that time. The, I, I grew up in a small town. And in a small town, you've got a whole bunch of people that have your back when there's a tragedy. And I always thought a little bit, felt a little bit bad for my family not growing up in a small town. But when you realize in your life that you've got, um, when a tragedy happens in your life, you see the small town that has, you've created for yourself and the vantage point circle groups and, and our relationships with people here in circle have certainly been our small town and the people that have had our back in, uh, in what is, without question, been the worst year of our life. So. And just to let you know, Kara's mom, son, and I know she, does, yeah. she starts talking about it and then I know she gets really teary, but Sarah's mom died suddenly uh, through an accident and uh, it was a shock to her and her family and to all of us who love Kara and their family, so. And that it followed quite quickly on the heels yep. of, of my mother-in-law getting diagnosed with cancer, right. and we didn't expect to have her uh, for very long. Uh, we've been given the gift of, of time with her. She's still here, and she's still doing quite well. Um, and a number of other things happened, but those sorts of, those were the, kind of the highlights, yeah. so. Community makes a difference. It's been invaluable to us, and, and we're so blessed to have the community we have here. Thank you, Kara, for sharing with us, and thank you for your friendship, and God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's thank Kara. So Kara's life, and I'm sure many of you as well, uh, this illustrates our theme or our truth for this series, that small acts produce the largest changes. Small acts produce the largest changes. So what relevance does this have for us? If we want to experience health in our relationships, in our finances, physically, mentally, emotionally, any part of our life, 
we need to personally be healthy. And that requires, that requires daily growth, daily change, and we're responsible. We're responsible for that two-degree change. And it doesn't matter, as I said at the start, it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter where you are spiritually. These principles apply to all of us. So let me encourage you to do something. This kind of the now what. Let me encourage you to do something. I want you to think about where you are and where you'd like to be over the next year. Where you are and where you'd like to be. And think and just go on your own somewhere and think about what kinds of changes, a kind of time of self-examination. What kinds of changes do I need to make on a daily basis to achieve goals in certain areas of my life? When I set up my goals for the year, I look at the, my health, my physical goals, my spiritual goals, my intellectual goals, my relational goals, and my emotional goals. And I kind of set up some things that I would like to do through the year to, to grow in those areas. Two degree changes to grow in each of those areas. And by the way, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit enables us through conviction, through challenge, through strength, through wisdom to walk through our life in such a way that transformation takes place. So go to the Spirit and say, as I look at Holy Spirit, as I look at my actions, what I do, as I look at my attitudes, how I do them, as I look at my motivations, why I do them, what are some changes that I need to make in every area of my life? And if you're really brave, okay, if you're really brave and you want to find out how you're doing as you make these two-degree changes, find somebody who will speak the truth in love to you, maybe not always in love, it's still the truth, speak the truth in love to you and say this to them, what is it like to live on the other side of me? What is it like to live on the other side of me? So I'm looking forward over the next three weeks to learning more about heart shift together, how to make these changes, how to walk with two-degree changes. Before the offering, before Pastor Paul comes up for the offering, I want to pray, but I want to read this. I'm going to read this every week because I thought this was so profound. This was written by an unknown soldier. So I want to read this before our offering and before I pray. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn to obey. I asked for health that I might do great things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power when I was young that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need for God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all people most richly blessed. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this time we've had together. I pray that you would enable us to take those steps forward that would enable us to walk in a way that change would take place in our life, slowly, patiently, two degrees at a time. Holy Spirit, I pray for myself and each person here that you would enable us to examine ourselves deeply, to truly see, honestly see where we're at and where we should be. 
We pray this, I pray this in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen.